So one day I was in prayer in my apartment at 38th Street and Chicago Avenue South in South Minneapolis, for those of you who aren't familiar with my favorite city in the whole world. So there I was on this overstuffed couch that I had gotten on Craigslist, <laughs> praying to God. And the text and the image that really spoke to me that night, was, or that day rather, was the Garden of Gethsemane, of, of Jesus folding his hands and praying so hard, praying like it mattered, praying like if he didn't pray, something would happen, and if he did pray, something else would happen, that it was consequential. Jesus praying so hard that he cried tears that were like blood. Um, I was contemplating that text and remembered the words that Jesus told his disciples as they were entering the garden. And, and for those of you who uh, maybe aren't as, who are new to the church or are not as familiar with the story, this was like right before Jesus's crucifixion, before his public execution. And he told his disciples to stay awake. They had gone through so much, those disciples. They had gone to every gathering, every like Pharisee showdown, every debate. Um, they've heard all of the, the, the cheering and also the uh, people despising, like all the rise and fall of Jesus. They were followers of Jesus, but sometimes being a follower of Jesus can be pretty tiring. And so they were like, whoa, really feeling it. And Jesus was walking in this garden with them, looking at all of these like amazing plants and saying like, I need you to stay awake here. This is the spot where I need you to stay awake. And as I'm at uh, 38th Street in Chicago praying over this text, Jesus told me, um, I never stopped asking you to stay awake. Jesus never stopped asking the disciples to stay awake because Jesus knows that there are going to be lots of things that are trying to shut us down, that are trying to convince us to lull us to go to sleep. It's good night disciple for, for the empire, right? Like, like there's a lot of things that are trying to convince us to go to sleep. And Jesus is saying, I need you to stay aware of the crucifixions and the resurrections that are happening in our world. Stay awake to the movement of God and the forces that fight against the liberating love of God, to stay awake to that. Of course, I was praying this prayer in the midst of planting New City Church. Planting means like starting a church from the ground up instead of going into an established church. So I was planting New City Church in South Minneapolis, and this was uh, kind of few years ago, four, uh, four or three years ago. And, um, and it was like, okay, like, I believe that the calling of this church, which is named after Revelation 21, this image of uh, a heaven where all tribes are welcomed in, where there's no more violence and the whole earth is renewed. I believe that there is a calling for this community to stay awake. And it's founded on the principle that somehow if we practice our faith together, we will be able to stay awake to what is going on in the world better than if we were doing it by ourselves. That all the disciples, for as many problems as they had, at least had each other to count on in their practice of faith. And that is what allowed them to, stumbling as they may be, stay awake to the crucifixions and resurrections happening in that world. 
And one of the commitments that we have at New City is that we're going to like accompany people in staying awake in their calling. And, and that's easy in South Minneapolis because there's a lot of people in Powderhorn who really, that's my neighborhood, uh, Powderhorn, who really care about making a difference, who care about change. And so they become teachers and social workers and community organizers, and they work for nonprofits and they uh, are above the nonprofit industrial complex and start their own like anarchist circle syndicate. <laughs> like there's a lot of that going on in South Minneapolis and in Powderhorn. And, uh, and this church is trying to say like, we agree that God moves through teachers, obviously. And prayer helps teachers to be able to actually see uh, the goals of their teaching come to fruition. We believe that God moves through social work and therapists, obviously. It's, it's so evident in my life and other people's lives. And we believe that things like Sabbath and even worship, especially worship, can, can, can buoy up social workers so that the fulfillment of that calling might be realized. We believe that community organizers are amazing at creating social change and community organizers don't have a whole monopoly on all that is true. And, and sometimes it's helpful for community organizers to do things like small groups and to uh, plant churches, <laughs> to be able to fully round out our, our understanding of what social change is. And, uh, and we did cultivate all those things for, for three years. We, we've been worshiping as a church, uh, having a weekly worship service. I've since moved away from that apartment, but we set into practice the things like commitments to anti-racism, commitments to LGBTQ uh, liberation, commitments to um, uh, solidarity with immigrants, uh, commitments to solidarity with Black Lives Matter, not only in uh, word, but in, in material and, and solidarity kind of ways. Like we created an incarnation fund specifically to support people of color in their mental health journey. So another way to say that is that through inward transformation, we learned how we're supposed to show up for outward transformation. And through outward transformation, we learned how important spiritual transformation is. It's the inward and outward transformation cycle that all of us are built to be able to go back and forth between. And when we spend too much time in one or the other, things start to get unbalanced. If, we, if our worship isn't balanced with justice, then things get all sorts of messed up and vice versa. Worship without justice is self-serving. Like if you're just worshiping God and having an amazing kind of experience and then you, you spend the rest of your week not doing a darn thing, then what's the point? But the opposite is true as well because justice without worship is self-destructive. I've seen this again and again, community organizers in my neighborhood pouring themselves into this work and then getting so burnt out like a little tucky that they can't even show up for the work because of how intense the work is. And, 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 and the reason why the church exists in this neighborhood is to be able to create a symmetrical inward transformation to accompany people who are committed to outward transformation. And then, on May 25th, 2020, the racist murder of George Floyd happened at 38th Street in Chicago. 
exactly the intersection where I used to live. A lot of things happened in a short amount of time. In the beginning, in the first few days, it was mostly nonviolent protesters from the neighborhood who were obviously upset uh, and gathering to grieve about uh, what had happened in our neighborhood. And then the white supremacists came in, not just from around Minnesota, but white supremacists from all over the country. They were, there are white supremacists who like following the uprising were found in like Texas and they were tried for hate crimes and, and being associated to like white supremacists internet circles. Like this is like, when I say white supremacists, I mean like literally militarized white supremacy, like white nationalism maybe. And, uh, and so they came to Minneapolis to use Minnesota, to use our city as a rage room. Uh, we had folks who were standing out in front of shops all night long, 4 a.m., whatever. And they were like, man, we're seeing a lot of vehicles from out of town passing by and starting a whole lot of stuff. And then we received credible information from security forces. The Neighborhood Association received credible information that the arson and the destruction was moving from Lake Street, which is mo mostly like shops and restaurants, south into the residential areas, which was like the Powderhorn neighborhood. And so the residents of the neighborhood were encouraged to pack a grab bag in case they needed to uh, leave and go right away in case their house was on fire. The helicopters of the National Guard started going overhead nonstop, uh, keeping everyone awake, which you can imagine was just like really helpful for the mental health of our community. Um, there were folks encouraging residents to fill their bathtub so that they had a ready-to-go reservoir of water to put out the arson of the white supremacists who are encroaching in the neighborhood. And the folks of New City Church started to realize that when we started practicing sp these spiritual disciplines, they weren't for decoration. They weren't for like just your, your romantic little journal to decide which job you're gonna do. This was like, we do spiritual practices because they are the difference of life and death. These spiritual practices allow us to show up and to witness to the crucifixions and the resurrections happening in our world. And so New City folks organized all over the neighborhood. And of course, non-New City folks also organized, but I'm so proud of seeing how New City folks created communication networks for neighbors to be able to keep in touch with each other, translated from English to Spanish so that the whole neighborhood could understand what was going on, watering our neighbors' yards so that if the white supremacists were to come with their tiki torches, that at least they would have to face the baptized lawns of Christians who aren't going to bow down to the false idols of hatred. God had been filling our spiritual reservoir for this moment exactly, and it was time to extinguish the violence of white supremacy that was right knocking at our door. And all the while, while businesses were literally burning down, sushi shops and Indian restaurants and uh, taquerias and piñata shops and Black-owned businesses, while they were burning down, we still saw the persistent life of God 
coming through. A lot of the businesses on Lake Street you see had, had boarded up their windows with plywood. Artists were able to create murals that reminded people that there is beauty and persistent life in this world. Which, by the way, if you're looking for metaphors for how the Holy Spirit moves in the world, like painters coming out and reminding the world of beauty in the midst of things literally burning down, is a pretty good metaphor. And eventually, just when we thought they never would, the uprisings did end. And we were left to kind of like put back together the pieces and to remember who we are and who we are to become in light of what we just experienced. And our spiritual practices buoyed us up again, comforting us and consoling us, reminding us that lament is part of the process, reminding us that grief is the first step of social change because unless we truly grieve, we can't get in touch with what is so profoundly wrong in society. So we continue to practice. And I wish I could say that that, you know, end of movie, roll the credits, Minneapolis has been just fine ever since. But it wasn't that long until Dalal Eid died. You know, not that long after that until Dante Wright died. And then the verdict came out from the Chauvin trial. And then there's like a whole other trial for the other officers that were involved. And, and we were reminded that life keeps continuing and the empire continues to traumatize again and again. And so our task to spiritual practices is not just to get through one tough season you know, like, it, it, there's no use being the kind of person who's like, okay, I'm going to pray really hard for this one season. It's done. Okay, fufta. God is like, listen, our world is spinning real fast and the empire is up to all sorts of shenanigans. Our spiritual practices have to be able to continue to create the reservoir that will meet the worst of supremacy, the, the reservoir that will change society. I believe that God, even in the act of this worship, is pouring in to your spiritual reservoir and you might not know when you need it because, hey, New City Church did not predict that this would be happening in our backyard, but just know that God is pouring in, investing in your depth, in your spiritual community for the purposes of creating a kingdom of God where things like racist murders don't happen anymore. So lean in. Practice worshiping like it's the difference of death and life for someone, because it is. A couple weeks ago, a bunch of New City folks dispatched to Brooklyn Center, which is a, a northern suburb, to participate in a march for Dante Wright's life. And it was one of those like bizarre Minnesota spring moments where it's like we have a week in like the 60s and 70s, like shorts weather, and then all of a sudden, as we're on this march, this is a real story, it started to blizzard. It just started to, like, the snow just, like, pelted down. And it was just like, oh my gosh. So here we are mourning Dante Wright's life, uh, being very aware of the failures of our system, being as far away from feeling like we're in, like, a garden uh, with Jesus, and then here comes a blizzard, 
as if to say like we're just really reminding you that it is not yet springtime <laughs> like you are not yet in the garden zone you are you are you are approaching but not yet arrived at the promised land and in the midst of this blizzard with like snow like pelting us in the face and like we're like so cold i turned to prayer and i was like god what do you think about all this and i heard god say in the most gentle loving supportive voice that new city's job the church's job your job and my job is simply to stay awake to the crucifixions and resurrections happening in our society may it be so god amen